You're listening to the Food Files podcast, the latest from the Oklahoma State University Robert M. Kerr Food and Agricultural Product Center. Here's your host, Darren Scott. Welcome to the Food Files. I'm Darren Scott, and today's guest is Jake Nelson, FAPSI's facility manager and meat scientist. Morning, Jake. Good morning, Darren. You know, you put together a document that is kind of interesting. You know, I guess due to COVID-19, there's been a lot of interest in Oklahoma and I guess in other states in starting up meat processing ventures. And, you know, you kind of put together a a document that has some interesting information and I thought that we could kind of discuss that this morning. Sure, I'd be glad to. I've been discussing it quite a bit lately, so uh, it's familiar to me. (laughs) Fresh in your mind. Okay, you know, uh, one of the things that you mentioned in the document is people should consider the design and construction of the facility. So, you know, could you give me a little bit of info about what does that entail? Why is that important? Sure. Um, And I might, if it's okay with you, give a little bit of background to how we got to this point um, as it relates to the pandemic. Uh, You know, there was, if you watch just basic um, media or social media or just uh, aware of your surroundings, there was some periods of perhaps panic buying or hoarding by people. And uh, one of the categories uh, that saw shortages was meat in the meat case, fresh meat products. And as a result of that, uh, some leaders in the state felt it was important and necessary to try to grow the the meat processing capacity in the state of Oklahoma. So there's been some incentives put out there to grow that industry, to construct new facilities or to expand or upgrade um, existing facilities. And one of the end results of that is there's some people jumping into the meat processing sector that perhaps maybe have never dabbled or worked in that industry before. So there's a lot of learning going on. Okay. And um, equipment uh, design and function is one of those categories where there's a steep learning curve. And so if, uh, if someone's never worked in an industrial setting, uh, for example, or seen how the equipment used in meat processing, equipment which is common and usual in meat processing, uh, you know, the type of electrical structure, single phase versus three phase, uh, the various voltages that are available, Many people might not realize that commercial equipment might operate at different electrical voltages than what they're used to. Many pieces of equipment require uh, connections to compressed air or water or have hydraulic systems built into them. And so I think it's just important for people to understand how you equip your facility uh, is dependent upon how your facility is equipped with the utilities. And so having an understanding of the basics the basic utilities and how that impacts your equipment, I think is important. And if you, if it sounds foreign to you, then it's probably a good idea to do some reading or to ask some questions. Well, you know, what are some of the things then that uh, people might consider when they're trying to purchase equipment? Uh, equipment purchase is a, is a complex subject. Uh, probably, probably the number one category that I would say relates to sanitation because this is food processing equipment. I think it's important for people to understand the materials of which the equipment is constructed. Mm-hmm. Does it lend itself to easy cleaning and easy sanitation? Uh, is it robustly built? Of course, then there's the, uh, the new versus used discussion. New equipment versus used equipment is very similar to vehicles. Uh, there's a lot of price <laughs> difference. 
Hmm. Uh, but with new equipment purchased, then comes a lot of the service and assistance from the manufacturer and warranties. And it's very similar to vehicles. And those are things to consider as well. Uh, you know, something else that you talk about is uh, applications for grants and inspections. So, you know, what are those? Yeah, there's two basic, um, two general categories of inspection. And I guess we need to talk a little bit about that and what inspection is. Uh, mm -hmm. Inspection in the United States goes back to 1906, whenever the, the Federal Meat Inspection Act was put into place. And that provides government oversight of the meat processing industry for the protection of the consumer or the citizens purchasing meat. Okay. Uh, today, in 2020, in Oklahoma, uh, there's two broad categories of inspection. One we refer to as federal. The other refers to as state. And that really defines uh, the authority or the regulatory agency um, under which a processor operates. It also defines how the product is distributed or how it can be distributed. And uh, the real simple term is that state inspected products can only be traded or sold within the state of Oklahoma. Federally inspected products then can be shipped across the U.S. And when you apply to be a meat processor with either the federal government or a state government, Mm -hmm. which in Oklahoma is the, uh, the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food and Forestry. But when you apply for that, uh, you make an application, and if they say, okay, yes, you've met all the requirements, then you receive your grant of inspection. And that okay. says that you are a bona fide official meat processing establishment. Well, I guess along with inspections comes different food safety uh, systems, things like uh, HACCP and SSOPs. Um, yes, I was wondering if we could give a little bit of uh, info on those as well. Yeah, those are the two basic um, food uh, regulatory food safety, uh, I guess, instruments, we'll call those. It's a, it's a way to address food safety and sanitation. And it's regulatory, and those requirements are written in the regulations, and they tell you how to operate. Now, okay. they don't tell you how to operate. They tell you how to operate. And I know that sounds a little <laughs> bit like a goofy statement. Um, basically, they lay out the framework that says you shall operate your establishment and address, let's use HACCP, for example, that you must address any food safety hazards in this fashion. You have to write a plan. You have to put a HACCP plan in place. You have to follow all the basic principles of HACCP systems to address food safety. That's now, the requirement. Talk, I want to jump in there. When you say HACCP yeah. now, what does HACCP mean? HACCP is an acronym. Uh, it's spelled H-A-C-C-P. And that acronym stands for Hazards Analysis and Critical Control Points. Okay. And that's the acronym, H-A-C-C-P, Hazards Analysis, Critical Control Points. And uh, there's seven principles used in meat processing HACCP. We offer a workshop to teach people uh, the HACCP principles and how to write a HACCP plan. Mm -hmm. uh, the basic tenet is you look at your operation and you ask yourself, what is dangerous about what I'm doing? And when I say dangerous, I'm talking about food safety dangers. What's the danger with eating my product by the consumer? 
Okay. And so you look at what's dangerous and then you find ways to control those dangers and you document your controls and you prove to yourself and everyone else how safe your product is. Okay. Uh, SSOP means? SSOP is another acronym which stands for Sanitation Standard Operating Procedures. Okay. And those are procedures which each establishment must draft and write that tells how they will maintain sanitation in their facility how they maintain it during operations, how they clean the facility at the end of the day, how you wash your dishes, how you sanitize your equipment, all those things you have, those are procedures that you must write down and the frequency at which you will do those. That's the important component there. Okay. Um, I guess you can't manufacture product without supplies. And so that's another point that you kind of bring up in your diet. Oh man, the supplier sector in the meat industry is a huge industry. And uh, you cannot do it. You certainly cannot do it without proper equipment and without proper supplies. And there's really some unique uh, equipment and supplies out there. Okay. Uh, There's hand tools, there's equipment, there's uh, packaging schemes, labeling schemes, and all the things along the way that you don't think about, like diapers. Did you know we use diapers in the meat industry? I did not know uh, no, it's not infant diapers. It's the little absorbent <laughs> pads that you often see at the uh, the bottom of a meat tray, you know, okay. to uh, okay. to soak up and absorb some of the juices that purge out of fresh meat during storage. Okay. Uh, there's a whole array of supplies that require actually quite a bit of education to become familiar with. You also talk a little bit about having some sort of contingency or redundancy plan for any sort of problems that you might run into. Um, yeah, redundancy uh, is a it's a it's a method of thinking uh, because, and this really goes back to maybe HACCP style of thinking with uh-huh. uh, food safety programs and HACCP plans. Redundancy says it asks the question, "What if you know? What if this goes wrong? What's my contingency, or what's my redundancy?" And it really is uh, especially important on pieces of equipment which are extremely vital to your operation. Okay. And let's just use for the sake of discussion, refrigeration systems. Sure. I think we all understand that when you get into fresh meat processing, it's a very perishable product. And one of the ways we address that perishability is through temperature control and refrigeration. And so you've got whole rooms in your facility, which are maintained at refrigeration temperatures below 41 degrees Fahrenheit. If that system fails, you've got a massive failure on your hands. And Mm -hmm. so uh, an establishment operator needs to think about redundancy and contingency plans for vital equipment. And again, examples include refrigeration, maybe a a water heater, steam boiler, compressed air, uh, even electricity. Um, We learned a hard lesson here in central Oklahoma a number of years ago when an ice storm came through and you go for, uh, you know, 10 to 14 days without electricity. If you're an establishment and you don't have a standby backup generator, it's not appropriate just to open up the doors and let the cold air come in the building in the wintertime when an ice storm takes out your power. (laughs) Redundancy plans like that. Yep. And now we know. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what about contingency plans for success? You know, contingency plans for success, you know, then this gets into uh, sales and marketing types of thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've got, you've heard the old cliche, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. 
And I think that applies on the supply side and it probably applies on the sales side too. If your if your outlet is too narrow, if your sales outlet is too narrow, uh, that can be harmful to you because all it takes is one little change in in a customer base or you make a mistake and you irritate a customer or there's just some bad relationship you need to be able to recover from those everyone is subject to bad sales relationships i don't care who you are mistakes happen Mm. and how people recover from those mistakes and correct them that's what drives success is the ability to correct and improve and to and to move forward We've heard the old term continuous improvement. Uh, that's really a mindset people should have when operating a business, mm-hmm. uh, any business of any, any type of commodity. I guess if you manufacture product, at some point you're going to have waste. So what can you tell me a little bit about trying to get rid of uh, manufacturing waste? In the, food, in the food industry, it's a little bit different. Um, you don't just go and throw everything in the dumpster that's not uh, used in the process. There's a particular waste stream category in livestock harvest and meat processing. Mm -hmm. And we generally refer that to the rendering industry, uh, particularly with livestock, because we take these, these dress off items from slaughter, uh, excess fat and bone from carcass and fresh cuts fabrication. uh, And those there's a, there's a, a segment industry out there, the rendering industry, which actually uses those to further process into, into valuable products. And so if if an establishment operator, if a person's going to jump into meat processing, they need to have a very clear understanding of what rendering or waste stream sector is available to them. In Oklahoma, there's only two companies that that offer that service. One's located in the Tulsa area and one's located in western Oklahoma, west of uh, Oklahoma City in the Calumet area. And so it's not a terribly competitive field yet it's a very necessary industry Mm. and they service uh, those those establishments and again as i mentioned there's things that come off let's just take livestock slaughter for example sure uh you start with uh, if we go into the beef category you take a 1400 pound animal well you don't end up with 1400 pounds of meat when you convert that animal from a live animal to a carcass, there's things that come off like feet and the head and the hide and internal organs and, and other things to make it safe. About you know, roughly 40% of that live animal is dress off items just okay. from the slaughter floor. Okay. And all that's got to go somewhere. And that's where the rendering industry comes in. Uh, interestingly enough, in the last 10 years, Darren, the, this sector has seen a, a precipitous drop in the value of fresh beef hides. And that's in, when you talk about dress off items, that's one category that's really hammered small processors and really hit them hard in the pocketbook. Okay. Because they used to be able to sell those hides into the leather market. And now for a number of reasons, those hides have no market value to them. So that's okay. been a change and that's something for folks to consider. Uh, jumping into this industry. Can you talk a little bit about insurance? I'm a meat processing specialist. (laughs) That all I can say is you need it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not not terribly skilled in what is available. Um, One of of the categories I know that is uh, vitally important is product liability insurance. Hmm. And that has to do with the liability of your product when it enters the marketplace it's got to be safe and healthful and nutritious. 
And if you produce an unsafe product and people become ill, that product liability insurance is vitally important to your survival. And then, of course, you have all the other insurances related to your facility, uh, acts of God, you know, storm damage, failures, product losses due to failures. Uh, then there's the employee component. If you have employees, there's workers' compensation insurance that you must maintain. Right. right. There's a category of insurance that I recently became aware of that I didn't know was uh, so important, and that is insurance for things like employee theft or damage. Oh, wow. Uh, if, uh, if employee John Smith is over there sneaking out a package of steaks every day from work in his back pocket, you know, <laughs> and you suffer a, a tremendous financial loss because of his um, – his activities, well, there's, there's coverage there that uh, could be made available. I think uh, my best recommendation is to contact an insurance professional because I don't want to sure. speak too much on, on a subject I'm not skilled in. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, what about uh, things to consider with, and you kind of talked a little bit about that, with sort of managing your employees, just, you know, very rough things to consider. Yeah. Um, I think probably the best advice, because every industry has to hire employees, right? Everyone hires employees. Um, I think probably if you're jumping into meat processing uh-huh. is to either hire employees that are familiar with that industry or let potential employees have a glimpse into what various job tasks may be to save both you and them some headache uh, mm-hmm. down the road. People may think they want to jump into meat processing, but until you do all of those job functions, you may not understand what that means. Mm-hmm. And we've experienced that right here at Oklahoma State University with student employees. I might put out a call uh, and I have a couple of positions for student employees. It's a very specialized task. And I explain that to them and they say, yes, I want to do this. I need the job. I need the money. This looks exciting. And then they get in and do it for a few days and they're like, this is nothing like I imagined. (laughs) And so communication and understanding is important. Sourcing labor is a challenge for the industry right now. Even in these times of pandemic, when it seems that finding labor might not be difficult, I still hear messages from the industry that Finding good skilled labor uh, can be a challenge. Uh, and the skilled labor is probably the, the point that's important here because it is a specialized industry. One last thing I guess we'll kind of cover today is raw material sourcing and planning. So what can you tell me a little bit about that, about sourcing your raw material? Yeah, that, that's a question we could go a whole nother 30 minutes on. I think um, we only got 20. (laughs) We only got 20. Yeah. Okay. Well, every industry has a supplier and a customer, right? Mm -hmm. And so the supply side for meat processors, it's hard. It's difficult to answer that, I guess, without getting into specifics, because when we talk about just the industry of meat processing, that is so diverse. Just Mm. the meat processing industry is so segmented and diverse because just to name a few categories, you could have a small, and I, let, me, let me back up. I didn't get into this on, on the inspection discussion. Mm-hmm. Within that federal and state uh, inspection category, there are subsets within there like retail and custom exempt. And so within each of those, there's sub-levels of, of regulatory status. And that plays right into this question because 
a, a small independent uh, meat counter at a grocery store in rural Oklahoma doesn't have the same raw material sourcing challenges that a custom processing plant has or that a a federal further processing plant might have. Okay. And if I can just call out some names just to show you the diversity in Oklahoma, again, I mentioned retail. There's uh, there's the, the Homeland Grocery Store chain, which is uh, common and widespread in Oklahoma. They've got their fresh meat cases. Then uh, let's pick on uh, the Osteen's. Osteen is a plant in Oklahoma City that mm-hmm. does a lot of um, uh, breading and cooking for the food service and internet retail sector and rouse packing in Perkins, Oklahoma. And then there's green country processing in big cabin, green country slaughters, cows, rouse packing makes a lot of jerky and snack sticks. And so there's all this diversity within meat processing and sourcing your raw materials. Each one of them have different raw material suppliers because they do mm-hmm. different things, mm-hmm. but the principles are the same and that's, getting a constant steady supply that is as available as possible uh, that meet your food safety and price requirements because you are operating a business. Sure. Uh, you still need to maintain some profitability there. And it's just, it's good business savvy uh, for people that are new to the meat processing industry and maybe new to operating a business in general. We offer a, a workshop here at the Food and Ag Product Center called Basic Training. And maybe you've highlighted that in other podcasts. I'm not sure. That's a great introductory workshop to address a lot of those topics, depending upon which segment you're in. On that note, I guess we'll wrap up this episode. Hey, thanks for coming out this morning, Jay. Anytime. I like talking about it. I'd also like to thank the listeners for tuning into this episode of The Food Files. And also would like to thank AgCom for the production of this podcast. Uh, for additional food industry information, please make sure to visit our website at www.fapc.biz. Until next time. <laughs>